We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, it's Vlad Harris here. I'd like to take a second to introduce our newest friends from SeatGeek. Let them take the confusion out of your ticket buying experience. Instead of shopping dozens of sites to find the best deal, let SeatGeek do the work for you. Their app scans the web for the best deals on your favorite game and concerts and shows you on a scale of 1 to 10. Whereas green is a great deal, yellow is good deal, and red is a bad deal. Use our promo code ACAA and get 20 bucks off your first purchase. That's two beers free from the stadium. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. Hey guys, it's Blood Harris here with another Panther Rants podcast. Uh, happy hump day to you guys. Me, I had to run some errands and I'm on my way into work. And, you know, I bank with Chase Bank, and um, this isn't going to be an advertisement like I've, like, I've, like I've been doing, but, you know, Chase Bank, obviously, their they're, um, social media account on Twitter, I guess, is doing these money motivation things, and I guess one was about, but I guess, telling people how to, how to budget their money or, or how to handle their money, and I guess the way it came off is pretty condescending. And it's pretty rich coming from a bank that you know was on the verge of collapsing in 2008 with that when that whole uh, you know when the, when the dam broke with the whole savings alone thing and if it wasn't for a government bailout they would you know they wouldn't be in existence probably or maybe they, maybe the name would but I'm sure the whole foundation that whole thing would have been gone. But there was a lot of big companies that were in trouble, and it's because they were doing things they weren't supposed to be doing. So my Monday move, my Monday motivation for Chase Bank would be to get ATMs that actually work, because it doesn't matter which Chase Bank I go to, they're either slow, they um, don't accept deposits, or they don't dispense cash. I mean. They're just there's no consistency with the with with their ATMs whatsoever. The only consistencies that I have is they don't freaking work right. And then I have to go to um, at eight o'clock in the morning. I have to actually go into the drive-through and deposit money. But that's what you get when you have technology and um, convenience. Sometimes when it fails, you're getting convenient. But anyways, guys, let's get to some pit, some pit stuff. Pitt got a commitment from Jalen Barden. 
He's a uh, six foot wide receiver out of, of Westside High School, Macon, Georgia. He's a three star recruit, and he's the third commitment of Pitts 2020 class. Uh, he had offers notable from Indiana and uh, Kentucky. Those are two P5 offers. So he joins Michael Statham, who's out of Baltimore, Maryland. He's an offensive line, offensive tackle, 6'6, 300. And Samuel Williams, who's from Florida, and he's a 6'4, 210 defensive end. So, I mean, look at the geography of these three recruits so far Maryland, Georgia, and Florida. I like it. You know, I have to, I really, you know, given the, the off seasons here, I have to really look at the uh, recruits and, of course, the PA top 20 to see who Pitt's actually involved with and who, you know, who's not going to go to Pitt. I'm not sure who or where. I know, you know, when Wani you know, was here, we always had early commits from local kids because he, he put a huge emphasis on it and sometimes he put too much of, too much of emphasis on it. Then towards the end, he was focusing on New Jersey a lot and he was getting a lot of, a lot of Jersey kids. And I, I know he focused on Florida too, but the frustrating part about Florida is that even, especially, especially in the South as well, Is that those kids, especially in the SEC territories, they get an SEC offer, they're going to go to the SEC. That's, you know. It doesn't matter if the team may be mediocre in the SEC. The bottom line is it's the SEC. They get to play, he gets, they get to play teams and probably face kids that he, you know, that they faced in high school. But I'm curious how, you know, how Mark Whipple's pass heavy offensive pit's going to be. I'd like to see him incorporate the no huddle in the offense as well. I'm hoping he does. Because if, if your quarterbacks are, and the receivers are in a throwing rhythm, they're hitting them, nailing their passes, go no huddle and throw that defense even off, off balance even more. Don't give him a chance to recover. Get back to the last scrimmage and hike it off. I'm not saying go like be like Todd Graham and go left lane, you know, left lane hammered down, but just you know, just at appropriate times. I mean, that's a problem with like you know, like with Todd Graham offenses, Baylor offenses. They're great offenses; they score a lot of points, but there's rhythm involved, and a lot of times, if when you're trying around the clock and things like that, and if you can't stay in some sort of rhythm. You turn the ball over really quick, and the team gets, makes a comeback. And we saw that in several occasions. Ooh, yeah, I'm looking here. I see a tow truck pulling a car. Looks like it's a wreck. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think you know, I like to uh, study the um, the PA top twenty and uh, take a look and see. I'm not sure if it's top 50, top 20 anymore. I guess it, I guess it depends on how many really good players you have. I don't know. I know Pitt hasn't really put much of heavy emphasis on, emphasis on Whitfield as much because, you know, 
the players they do want end up going to other schools anyway. But it is what it is. Now looking back at the um, the draft, I like the Steelers draft. I think they got a lot of, a lot of good players of need. I think they addressed a lot of key issues. They grabbed another running back, which was good, and another receiver, a bunch of linebackers. You know, secondary they got help. I mean, they addressed a lot of key issues, and uh, you know, the sky's the limit. Obviously, and of course, you know, they, they bang on extension, and which makes me laugh even more because. You got some people in the media that said, well, they didn't want to pay Le'Veon Bell or Antonio Brown, but they gave Ben more money. Well, here's the thing. They wanted to pay Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell just didn't want to accept the offer. They were going to offer more money. He was going to make more with his with his extension than the racial long-term deal the Steelers gave him than what he was with the Jets. It would have paid him a lot more, but he didn't want it. And even with a friend, if, if it had been franchised, he would have made a boatload, but he didn't want it. And now, look where it's got him. It's got him a, a shitty deal with the Jets, and, well, he can have it. I mean, this was his time to break the bank. He obviously didn't want to do it, and he's getting his late twenties for running backs. You know, by the time he's done, he may be past his peak. But anyways, that's his life, and that's his money, and it's not mine. And Tony Brown obviously wanted more money, but we really didn't know that a whole lot because he was too busy, you know, throwing temper tantrums. And you know, I think when, I think the issue with him was receivers want the ball. So when our, when our receivers come by and they start making an impact, obviously he's going to get pissed off. It happened to Jerry Rice, like I've said before. When Jerry wasn't getting the ball, he was getting frustrated because you know Stokes and Owens were coming in, and he was more of an afterthought at that point. I mean, at the time he was in the league a, a you know a good bit. But you know, you know, not to mention he also had that uh, ACL. He he hurt t- two times in one season. He hurt it early in the year, and then he came back. And for, for the Monday night game against the Broncos, that I watched. I remember watching that game with my dad because my dad just got a thirty-two inch television, and that was a big deal at that time in nineteen ninety-seven to have a thirty-two inch TV. We got this big RC thirty-two inch television, and it was awesome. And man, we hooked that up. We hooked up the entertainment center. The surround. And we put on Monday Monday Night Football. And it was the 49ers and Broncos. And Jerry Rice was coming back from his ACL. Rice scores a touchdown. And I think re-injured his... Re-injured his... uh, That's that's the same part of his body here. So he was done. 
But, um, yeah, he was pretty much done with the 49ers after that. And can't blame him for moving on. That's just how it goes. And he had some good years with the Raiders towards the end. And then he finished up. He ended up eventually finishing up with, I think, with the Seahawks. But uh, other notables, Quadrillison got drafted. A bunch of pit guys end up as free agents. Darren Hall went to the Browns. Which, you know, could work out for Darren Hall because, you know, you know Darren's going to the backfield with has, um, has Hunt and has um, Nick Chubb. Hunt is suspended for part of the season and with the mess that happened with um, with the Chiefs and their receiver, you know, that's something to monitor along with, because, uh, you know, Hunt has had his problems, too, as well. But if I'm Kareem Hunt, I'm wondering, I'm, I'm taking a look at the uh, Tyreek Hill situation, and I'm like... Maybe I should dial it back. Whatever it is, issues I got, I need, to, I, need, I need to look into what I'm doing with my life. Because Hill, obviously, he got a second chance. He got plenty of chances. And he, he I mean, he was practically going to be a star in this league. And now it's just he's got issues. It's, the, it's, it's it's violence issues. I mean, he's... I guess he's hurting his um, wife, whether his child, and he's hurting his child. And, of course, they can't prove that he broke the kid's arm because they, they can't, you know, they have no evidence. But the Chiefs have been pretty quiet about it. <clears throat> and some people hate that, but I think the Chiefs right now are doing their due diligence on it right now. Because I'm sure there's a lot of legalities, legalities involved. Because they have to cut. Because they have to cut him. I think he's still on a contract. So I think people should just wait and see what the Chiefs actually do with this. Because I think he'll be gone. But there's, I'm sure there's other elements to this as, as, as in terms of cutting him. A lot of people say Andy Reid has given a lot of guys second chances. I mean, Riley Cooper was one, and Michael Vick. But the but the thing about Michael Vick was nobody had no interest in him whatsoever. It was Tony Dungy that helped Michael Vick get signed. If it was for Dungy, nobody would have signed Michael Vick. And of course, when uh, Riley Cooper uh, went to a um, country music concert and. I guess uh, said he'd fight every N-word in the uh, con- in the show. Didn't work out too well for him, and I mean, people complained that um, you know he got, he got you know a second chance and got a contract. But people need to realize that if it wasn't for um, Michael Vick in that instance, he would never got a second chance. It, it was Vick that uh, that vouched for him. 
But um, yeah, plenty of other pit players got free agent deals. And of course, you know, talking about like a one notable Whitfield person, um, Miles Sanders got drafted in the second round, which I was shocked. Um, I thought he'd be later round. But he got, he got second round, and, you know, it worked out for him. More power to him. He's going to the Eagles. I mean, it's not like he's going to a shitty team. Although he did say that uh, he doesn't think that he'll, the media pressure will be as bad because he's in Philly than it was at Penn State, which I think is was funny because he's going to one of the biggest media markets in the country. And the Phillies, right? I mean, not the Phillies, but the Eagles are are, happen, are a happening team right now. They're very well loved across the United States. And on top of that, they're woke, which gives them more, more, you know, more, uh, you know, credibility. I guess you can say, or more popularity. I should say. Because, um, you know, they're very, you know, active in the uh, social justice realm of the, of the Twitter world. And, you know, social media loves that stuff. So I don't want to say credi- credible, but more popular, I would say. So I think he'll, be, you know, he'll be, you know, in terms of media coverage, he'll be a lot busy. So watch out for those fumbles. Alright. NBA playoffs have resumed, as we all know. We got the we got the new rounds coming. I'll start off with the whole Houston thing, you know, because I live here. It's been nothing from the last few days for me having to hear the local people in this town and the media itself bitch about the officials. That's all that's been done. And I didn't flip the game on Sunday until probably probably midway through the uh, first quarter. I, I went all because, you know, my obviously I have kids and they want to watch their favorite shows. I went on Twitter and uh, I just saw that they were down early and people were bitching about the officiating already. And I, I already knew what kind of game it was going to be after, you know, when, when that happened. I mean, the whole game itself was badly officiated. But it seemed like one team, despite the bad officiating, moved on and played their game. And the other team, who should have won, spent the whole game bitching about the officiating and taking dumb, dumb, stupid technical fouls. Yeah, it was, it was, bad, it was badly done. But... You gotta keep playing. That's just how it is. The Rockets could have instead they whine all game and that's that. And of course a lot of the stuff that the, the Rockets used to fou- draw fouls on, the refs aren't calling as much. And here we go. So I don't know what to tell them. And of course last night. You know, Harden, hopefully Harden's eyes okay for one thing, but they got worked again. 
It wasn't because of the officiating. Maybe the psychology of it was. But they didn't rebound. They just played with no passion. And it, it almost seems like at times that a bunch of them have already quit in the series already. I mean, they got a team. The Rockets got handed a, a series against the Warriors, who just got worked by the um, the Clippers. Game one, you had Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. They were both ailing. They were questionable for that game. They weren't healthy. They had the dead games one and two on a silver platter for them. And what did they do? They pissed it away. All they had to do was do what Cobra Kai does. You strike first, you strike hard, and no mer- and show no mercy. But instead, they sat around like Danielson and, went, hope, and hoped that Miyagi would come and save them. And, and this time, Miyagi just didn't show up. And now they're subjected to jokes. I mean, Steve Kerr, I guess, made fun of uh, the Harden flop in his press conference. You know what? He's allowed to do it because he's got the rings. He's got your number. And if you want to respond to him, your best bet is to go beat them in a series. And they haven't yet. I mean, they've beaten the Warriors during the season. But seven-game series is a lot different than a single a game a game on a single night. But as far as the rest of the playoffs go, <clears throat> Dame Damon Portland face uh, the the, um, the Denver Nuggets tonight. I think I think Portland will take this game tonight. I think Denver don't wins the game and wins in six. I just don't think the Trailblazers have enough to beat them. If the Trailblazers really want to beat Denver, they're going to have to disrupt Nikolai Jokic. They're going to have to do something with him. He drained. He had 30, he had thirty something points in Game One, and he was draining threes. Basically, with with Jokic, they got to get somebody in his face if, if they want to give themselves any chance of winning this series. If they do that, I think they'll move on. But they got to do it. I think what you know, Portland. I think they lost their top center to an injury in the first round, which sucks. They got Cantor, who's you know he's been playing pretty good. But they're gonna have to lock down the uh, if, if they take out Jokic, you know, he the offense runs through him. If they take him out, they're gonna take the series. But that's up to them. And on top of that, you gotta hope you know Dame stays hot. And you gotta hope that CJ McCollum steps up, and the rest are off and steps up as well. Everybody has to pitch in, you know, in order for them to win that series. On the other side of it, we saw um, the Bucks even their series against the Celtics. And, uh, you know, game one, obviously, the Celtics locked them down. And that's the thing is, that's, a, you know, that everything, you know, everything runs off of Giannis. And it was a case where 
all the elements got shut down for the Bucks, but game two was a different story, and they just, uh, whatever it was, they, they, whatever adjustments they made, it worked in game two, because they just, they blew up the Celtics, it wasn't even close. And of course, you got the Sixers and the uh, Raptors. The, um, I like the Raptors in this series. I was kind of surprised that the Sixers won Game Two, but I think they, I think after what happened in Game One, they had to do something in Toronto, and they did. Even with Embiid out with the, uh, with the poops, guys stepped up as they had to. Their only, their only really weakness really is Ben Simmons. I mean, he's a hell of a player. It's just he has no three ball. And that could hurt them. Because if you, if you take away a lot that Ben Simmons does, well, then, uh, yeah, they're just kind of screwed at that point. Down as a, are down overall. That's because LeBron's out. The Warriors and uh, Rockets could be a, could be a really really good watchable series, but game almost more officiated, and it seems like the Rockets, at least part of the team, has checked out so far. I mean, when they get the, the next two games, are at um, we're in Houston. But I don't see winning both of those at all. I can see him winning at least one and make the series go to five, but I don't see him winning this series at all. I think they're, I think they're pretty much done at this point. You know, I mean, this is gut check for them. And I just don't, but that, the thing is, uh, after seeing the first two games, I don't see it. And in other stuff, I guess, in terms of college sports, the this trial that's still going on. Of course, uh, Book, you know, Richardson's obviously been testifying. I mean, Richardson was off, was, he was dumping into his 401k to pay for players. Here's the thing. If I'm an assistant coach, if I'm dipping into my own funds to to land players, fuck that. Unless they're giving him some sort of kickback for landing these players, I'm not giving giving him anything of, of mine. I mean, I, w- I would not have at all ever have did to my retirement fund to pay for a college, to pay for a high school player. So I don't get why, you know, why someone would do that. That's just ridiculous. 
unless he's got a big ass retirement fund. Even if I had a big ass retirement fund, I would have never dipped into it just to pay for a college player or our high school recruit. I'm sorry. It just is, it ain't worth it. And if you're and if you're going to, that, to those to those uh, type of things, that job probably isn't worth. It. <clears throat> but I don't see Will Wade in any trouble. Sean Miller's obviously really, really guilty in a lot of this. And I guess he supposedly knew a lot about, about a lot of these deals that were going on for, for his players. But obviously, I, I don't see anything happen to these guys. I don't see much changing. Pretty much, these guys, these assistants, are little fish. They're, they're going to get thrown in the pond. They're getting, not, not thrown in the pond, but they're, gonna, they're getting pulled out. They're going to be, you know, if not already, you know, deboned and fried and whatnot, seasoned. So I don't see a whole lot coming out of this. I, you know, I don't see a lot changing. <clears throat> and I don't think the NCAA is going to be really, really interested in, in it either. They can't really enforce anything. I mean, there's stuff that they can do to make this stuff go away, but they just um, don't want to do it. And of course, you got people complaining about, you know, Dubbo swinging and getting a nine, $9 million a year deal. And if he would just share that money with the college players, he would get 180000 a year. Yeah, that's not how that works, guys. In a lot of ways, college players are getting paid, are getting, are getting, probably are getting paid already somehow in some way. But if college, if the NCAA lifts some restrictions and let them make money for themselves, I, I would have no issues with it. Let them sell autographs, let them sell, let them autograph shoes and helmets and whatnot. You know, let them make appearances. If a booster wants to give them some cash, let them do it. I mean, it's their money. Let them do it. And to close out, Urban Meyer was in the news and basis because Reggie Bush and Matt Leinhart want to recruit him to USC. I guess they want to recruit a really good coach to USC, and despite the fact they have a, they already have a coach. Well, for one thing, Reggie Bush is barred from USC, and I have no idea why he's barred at all. I don't get that. The guy made a lot of money for the university, and he made a lot of money through uh, for the NCAA as well. He made a lot of money for the sports networks because they put his, they plastered his highlights all over television and marketed them. And of course, he got wrapped up in a scandal, and he had to give his Heisman back because of it. So they get the market off of him, and you know, he you know he may have broken a rule. It wasn't too bad, and he gets to hand his Heisman back. Gets to be barred from the campus. Makes no sense. Makes no sense whatsoever. 
Hello, guys. You know, I've been asked about who who the you know who to make bets with, and who to register with. I always recommend my bookie. They've been in business for years. They got great reviews. They got even a mobile site that's easy to use. I've I've even used their mobile site, and it's pretty easy to use. Deposits are easy. And if you want, you can claim some bonus money as well. Uh, go in and enter the promo code Panther25, and you get fifty. You get fifty uh, percent, fifty uh, percent of uh, of your deposit back. So if you deposit hundred bucks, you get one fifty. It's crazy stuff, you guys. Go check them out. It's mybookie.ag. Check them out and tell them what Harris sent you.